What is your happiest childhood memory? I see where you're doing concussion. I, my head's fine, doctor. <laughs> Humor me. It's gotta be. My mother, she worked at an academy that, uh, that trained pilots. They had this amazing simulator there, so one day I sneak out, I was about eight, I'm having the time of my life until <laughs> alarms go off. I, I thought I broke this damn thing. Turns out I had, I broke the highest score of any cadet in history. So I climb out and admirals and captains are there, jaws on the floor, seeing this <laughs> eight-year-old kid. And my mom, <laughs> she's looking at me, like, pretending to be angry, but I knew she was proud. And <laughs> she said, Full story. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Nach Karnik, and with me, falling from a fire escape, are... Bill Boywad. Emily Bowen-Marler. Rudy Baker, And Adam Bowen. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we're covering the third episode of the second season of Star Trek Picard, Assimilation. And do follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you enjoy the pod, tell your friends about us. And uh, also remember to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And as usual, just wanted to make sure you all know we're going to completely spoil this episode. So hopefully you have watched the episode Assimilation before listening to us talk about it. As Adam told you before, we're talking about the third episode of season two of Star Trek Picard. The name of the episode is Assimilation. First aired on... 17th March 2022. It was directed by Leah Thompson and the it was written by Kylie Rossiter and Christopher Monfett. It's in universe date is an alternate timeline 2401 and the far future, 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 far, 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 <laughs> far, future, 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 2024. Uh, so here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. Picard and the crew travel back to 2024 Los Angeles in search of The Watcher who can help them identify the point at which time diverged. Seven Raffi and Rios venture out into an unfamiliar world 400 years in their past, while Picard and Jurati attempt to gather information from an unlikely and dangerous ally. We always start our recaps with our strange new takes. So, crew, which of you has a strange new take for me? I've got one. Um, so, I have a recommendation uh, there's a podcast. It's actually a couple years old now called Moonrise by the Washington Post about the Apollo program. Like, excellent. I just really recommend it highly. Adding it now. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for this episode, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really good. I thought it was a lot of fun. For me, this season so far has just been like a slam dunk. It's kind of been ex- what I what I wanted Star Trek Picard to be. So I'm having a lot just a lot of fun watching it. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, my strange new take um, is this week we took our kid to an amusement park for the first time, and it was so much fun. It was just, this kid likes rides, so it's going to be fun to see who is going to be the one to go on all the rides with him, 
it's going to probably be me because my husband does not like rides. So, anyway. <laughs> but fortunately at this point, he's still a little on the short side. He's not quite 42 inches, so he couldn't, couldn't do all the rides, but it was a fun time watching his face while he was like spinning and twirling and do all, doing all of these fun things. Um, and my strange new take for the episode is, I don't know what my strange new take for this episode is. I think I'll go with, I really like Gerardi. She's just, she's just great. All right. Um, my strange new take today is gonna, uh, it's gonna be about um, how, how has COVID changed our lives? You know, we've kind of become comfortable working from home. And for a lot of us that, that sets a precedent for how the work, um, how we'll work in the future. People are saying the next um, big um, wall to be broken is the nine to five working um, window, which apparently came into place only because of, you know, um, union movements after the wars and in protecting, you know, worker, worker, work-life balance and all that kind of stuff. Um, but who knows what other, other walls will be broken. And then suddenly at some point in time, you'll switch to star dates. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's the trigger that, uh, the Picard crew is looking for in 2024. I don't know. Um, and my take on this, this episode is, um, I agree with you, Emily. I think Girardi's come a really long way in showing a spectrum of acting talent. Um, it was all comedy and, and clumsiness before, mm-hmm. but this time it was very different. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I will continue Bill's uh, Moon Missions uh, Strange New Take by telling you to read about Apollo 7. A good place to do that might be Failure is Not an Option by uh, Gene Kranz, the guy who mm. is the longtime mission controller for the Apollo program and many other programs. Uh, that mission, Apollo 7, ended with almost ended with a mutiny and none of the astronauts ever flew in space again because of their conduct in, in space. I'll leave it at that cliffhanger so you can go find out what their mutiny was about. So um, with this episode, uh, I will just say that I was did not they... expecting... Huh? Sorry, did they try to go to the moon before? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, funny story on that point. They actually underfueled the the lunar landers in all of the Apollo missions where they weren't supposed to land on the moon because they were actually afraid the astronauts would just say like, fuck it, let's do it. And so they actually didn't give them enough fuel to actually complete a moon mission to prevent that from happening. But anyway, that wasn't this flight. Anyway, uh, with this episode, I will say that my strange new take is that I wasn't expecting them to kill Eldor, even though Emily and Rudy told me that it would happen. So good on both of you for having a right prediction. And mm. me having one that's not. Although it he totally... gets put into a refrigerator, so maybe species Tensi will come and revive him. <laughs> they showed it in the preview for the season, so I don't know. Oh, did You're they? more observant I than I, I have noticed that. <laughs> it, were, it was a scene that totally reminded me of when Seven was uh, with um, what's Ichab? his name? Ichab. Yeah. Uh, it kind of was the scene is similar to that, except obviously with Rafi and Elnor, but uh, yeah. Well, so for for my strange new take, I'm going to continue on this this moon uh, focused uh, uh, first strange new take, which is uh, 
uh watch for for all mankind it's a fun show uh i i uh uh i don't know i i mean i like space shows and whatnot but i i was not expecting it i was not expecting to be as enthralled with that show as i was when i watched it uh so i can't wait to to get into the next season when that happens um for this episode uh i just uh, I, I thought it was nice to, to see a very optimistic view of the future uh, in Picard here, where the <laughs> pandemic is finally over in uh, 2024. Uh, so, yeah, thank, thanks for giving me, like, uh, I, I looked to Star Trek for, for getting some hope, and uh, Picard gave it to me uh, this episode. Also that you can take guns away from your muggers and, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and take their money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right uh, let's let's start with something that i predicted uh correctly last episode where i said like you know next next episode in about five the first five seconds is just going to resolve this whole standoff cliffhanger situation <laughs> it's yeah. going to be over and we're going to move on <laughs> like it happened <laughs> and the best part is they didn't even give the magistrate a name he's like so what's my name <laughs> nobody says <laughs> Like, no, if I said your name, I would have to pay you more uh, uh, because you would be a <laughs> credited actor. <laughs> you know what's strange, though, about that? Did anyone else notice why was everyone else quite violently vaporized and Elnor was not? Did the crew I... of the... Um, Whatever I forgot the name of the ships because we're recording too many episodes in one day. <laughs> but did they change the settings to just obliterate them, or were the settings automatically on that? I I, I think he, that uh, Romulans might be resistant, or uh, if, there's if no he's way following he the be resistant to that. <laughs> if if he's following the rules of our of our Star Trek uh, RPG uh, that that we've been playing, uh, Elnor. Uh, he he might have been taken over by the the mind parasites from uh, from that episode Conspiracy. of TNG. Plot twist. <laughs> I just I mean I think it's because they wanted to make Elnor's death even more traumatic and awful to further compromise Raffi. But I don't know. Anyway, I think it's a good I, catch. It's for, sorry, go ahead. I, I think I, it's a plot hole. Good catch. I didn't notice that. Yeah, no, for sure that the, the that's a great catch. I think I I genuinely it was think... Travis. <laughs> Okay. I'll give we, credit we where credit's due. We, we don't need to give him credit. It can be you. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll edit out you giving him credit. Uh, no, I won't. Uh, but uh, I, I think so. Let's let's jump into this Elnor thing because this is the big fallout from the first part of this episode, and then we, Raffi has to deal with it a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. So I I think that again, this is like a Chekhov's gun situation again, where if if he's not going to be revived we wouldn't see Rafi putting him into cold storage. And he would have been vaporized. Mm-hmm. I, uh, well, I my assumption, and I guess we'll, we'll find out as the season progresses, but my assumption has been that he would get uh, revived in like the uh, Harry Kim or O'Brien fashion, where actually he just gets replaced with like a slightly different, like a version of Elnor from a parallel universe. Another so now when they travel back, you know, back to the future again. But yeah, it's a good point, Notch, that they, if they, you know, it's pretty suspicious if they you know, put the body in cold storage. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, um, 
I, I don't I don't know if they're going to just straight revive him. I, I, but may, yeah, maybe there is. We do have that kind of hope that we've sort of laid out there that maybe he's going to come back just because the timeline has been fixed or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I did I did think it was interesting that at least uh, uh, Picard is potentially uh, doing some stuff that we were frustrated with uh, uh, Discovery for not doing, where they killed off a main character and they at least so far they're letting it be that way well i wonder yeah. if in an episode that we might release after this episode there will be some discussion <laughs> that happens among us you know about how we feel about potentially killing off or reviving characters yeah right i i would be i mean i i think it would be a great loss to lose i did like the elnor character especially in his new guys i think if they'd killed off elnor last season i would have been like cool bye see ya peace yeah, well, yeah. New new Elnor, I I it is it does hurt a little bit, but uh, yeah, I I I'll I'll stick with my my as yet unsaid take from the next episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's talk about Rafi's reaction to that because that that seems to be the reason we see Elnor getting zapped other than maybe the actor had other work or they didn't want to pay him or whatever i don't know what, what other backstage <laughs> reasons there might be but one one fo- the one fallout from that is that the impact has on rafi yeah she wasn't she wasn't okay with any of the reasons that he was potentially written off the show as well and she showed that pretty uh strongly uh in the first few minutes i actually noticed um a drastic change as soon as she she was beamed out and and maybe I'm being unfair because grief, you know, sudden grief um, is, is unpredictable and you can't really, uh, you know, un- you can't really figure out how it comes out and um, mm. blame people for it. But um, I felt a little refreshed when she ended up in L.A. and, and was uh, a different person. I think her hair was also a little different, but in, in, in the ship, she was just... Um, she made fun of she, she. She called into question Picard's command. Not okay. Yeah, and I didn't. It didn't feel like there was really a reason to. I don't know. I didn't feel like that was justified or at all. I don't know. Like to accuse Picard of of doing being the same as Q. You know, you're just playing with us, and you're you don't care who who gets hurt in the process. So I was like, whoa, you're totally projecting. <laughs> what Q does onto Picard and it's completely unfair. And like Picard wouldn't have been devastated by Elnor dying like that. You know, he really cared a lot about Elnor. Now, granted Picard doesn't like show his emotions that much, but it was, it's just really interesting. The different, I mean, just how her emotions like totally took over everything. And um, it was, it was refreshing to see a different way that grief gets played out by a Starfleet Mm. officer, because that's not normally how we see it happen. Anyway, I, I think I, 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 I don't know. I, I, the, the way that Rafi reacted and also accused Picard, I thought that was very interesting because we, we, uh, what I've liked about the series Picard is that we're sort of seeing, uh, Picard from, it's very confusing that they named it the same as I can't, it's hard to talk about like the series and the characters separately, but, uh, Jean-Luc Picard is, uh, we're getting a different perspective on him in this series than we got in TNG because in TNG, it sort of assumed that he's the greatest captain that, that has ever existed. He is uh, beyond competent. Like he's always the best person to talk to when you have like uh, some sort of problem. But if you look at like how he acts in that series, he's 
super awkward. He is uh, like he's he's emotionally distant with people. He pushes people away. He is which are, are all things that we're getting into here. And I, I could very easily see how people look at uh, how he's constantly getting uh, involved with Q as like a maybe he's doing this himself. Maybe this is like making him more important or whatever. Like I, I that doesn't seem like an unreasonable take on uh, on Captain Picard to me. And um, I think similarly, we've we've had uh, callouts to uh, like we know that the the temporal uh, uh, space police or whatever uh, don't like Janeway because of all the temporal incursions she causes. I, I think it's a, it's it's cool to sort of point out like Picard's always doing stuff with Q. Picard must like it. Um, and uh, so and and the, is the that other like thing saying is, a woman likes it when a man makes advances on her all the time? So clearly she's doing something uh, that she deserves. <laughs> Oof. Sorry, Oof. I know. No, I'm just saying, but like, I mean, that you know. Sorry, that uh, that just no, popped I, into my head I, as you said yeah, that. Yeah, no. So. That, I, I, First of I, all, I think no, that's... that's not okay. Your example is clearly not okay, Emily. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyway, sorry. I, sorry, I mean, maybe just, Picard you know. would 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 agree with your side because I, I think he does feel violated by by the way that Q uh, sort of just like treats them like ants uh, yeah. uh, from his perspective. And I mean, we know that as 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 viewers. I think I think it's fair to wonder if Rafi knows that. I think the thing that I it, I come to with this whole Rafi thing is, it does seem a little like extra. Like it it did the reaction, but at the same time, you know, she's kind of maybe been mentoring him through the academy, Elnor, and so <laughs> this is like her losing someone she deeply cares about, obviously. And we saw how her son last year rejected her, so maybe yeah. this is her losing another son. So I could see how that triggers. I think that the thing that I regret is that I was hoping we would get like a Rafi who is like fully plugged, like unlike last year where we got kind of a rebellious Rafi who mm-hmm. is not all together. I was hoping this year we'd get to see like, you know, a, a fully like plugged in Rafi who's ready to go and be a Starfleet officer. And so now see her questioning command uh, is mm. kind of a little bit like, oh, we're getting back to who she was last season. So, but again, too early to tell. Maybe that that's not what happens at all in the next few episodes. Well, and once she's down on the ground in Los Angeles, that doesn't seem to be right. driving her in the same way, so... Uh, by the way, did anyone appreciate the whole uh, an- antithesis to discovery where like Seven's like, let's talk about our feelings. And Rafi's like, no, let's get on with it and do our jobs. We've got shit to do. <laughs> like, it's important to get going. <laughs> I think they're probably teeing off an emotional conversation, but I had to get that cheap shot in. Um, so then then our, our, our three characters beam away. We were left with then two... Well, three sequences, because Seven and Rafi find each other pretty quickly. Then we've got the Rios plot, and then we've got um, Picard and Girardi on the the ship. Let's talk first about Seven and Rafi, because that's, that's a more kind of limited scope um, sequence that we see that doesn't have a lot of permutations. What would you all think about um, the two of them beaming into Los Angeles and just hitting the ground running? Loved it. Love LA, loved seeing them there. Um, <clears throat> loved that small um, interaction Seven had with the little girl. That was very, very nicely done. Um, yeah. And yeah, I really liked it. It was like, what, 10 seconds, but it was really nicely done. When I feel then, like I've seen that girl somewhere before. I don't know. Like when they, I'm like, that girl looks familiar. I don't know what show she would have been on, but. I'll go look that up for you. Yeah. Did y'all did y'all enjoy the CSI LA style like California dreaming montage? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, so I, I think we were a little bit apprehensive about how uh, they would be treating like 2024 uh, based on like how the Voyage Home was and then also how uh, that very bad episode of uh, Voyager was. Uh, Future's I, I Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, <laughs> just, I... I, I uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm I'm refreshed and uh, intrigued about uh, this treatment of L.A. And one thing that that I that I, I'll note is uh, I thought was interesting is I think we are maintaining that Star Trek is a, a separate universe from our own uh, because uh, we know that uh, I mean I, there have been some retconning I think in some of the books suggest that the whole Khan Noonien Singh thing might have been like a secret war that nobody knew about. Uh, but Picard seems to be doubling down on, like, humanity is advanced to the point where there's, like, a mission to Europa that we're actually pitching is going to happen soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, we're picking up a little bit more from how uh, Voyager treated uh, uh, sort of uh, near future Earth, where uh, the technology seems more advanced uh, in the, uh, around the millennium than it was in uh, our real world. That's because Voyager went back and Janeway invented the internet. So <laughs> smartphones. <laughs> but you know, so the, I was, I don't know if you were going to move on to this, but um, the way that Rios was materialized in Los Angeles, did it cross anyone's mind that Gerardi did that on purpose? Oh, I didn't think about that. I did not think about that, but I mean, it's kind of mean if she did, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, I just had that thought, like how come the other two totally landed? Okay. And Rios didn't. So, so I'm, well, I'm going was... to have ahead, you hold the Rios conversation for just a minute though. Cause I do want to talk about, you know, seven and, and Rafi go Rafi's take on the mugger, by the way, that was fun. I was hoping it yeah. wasn't going to be one of those like, Oh, she's going to get apprehended or whatever. And it just be like, okay, you're done, buddy. Let's let's move on, and they steal from the mucker. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, that was great. Yeah, and it had a good moment between Seven and, and Rafi there too. Of like, really? <laughs> yeah, and, I like how we... she put the gun in all different places too. That was that was nice as well, you know. So he couldn't oh, just yeah, like yeah. find it. Yeah, does does Rafi do like Jason Bourne hollow novels? So she knows exactly <laughs> what to do with a Glock <laughs> like, when she gets her hand on one. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, it would have been a little uh, uh, unbelievable if she wasn't able to take down that mugger after, like, literally 10 minutes ago, she fought out of the exact same situation where they were all about to be vaporized. And then the cliffhanger, it's just that they can just slap people's phasers out of the way uh, fast enough to not get hit. Yeah, and I feel with, with both of them, they just fit so i mean they're celebrities they live in la so i guess they fit into la but from a screen presence <laughs> point of view they just fit so well and then compared to the previous episode where they were in different places and like you know kind of out of place it, it's um I, I think it just sets up for a really good few episodes hopefully so now we, we see them go up to the top of the skyscraper and we get a little bit of humor i think the question for me in this whole thing is that 2024 is a setting for the bell riots in um mm -hmm. the the ds9 episodes boss stance which we've reviewed on this 
podcast previously, so go watch that, check it out, because it might become relevant. The Amar DS9 references the show is showing is probably not an accident. Yeah. Um, go listen to our recaps after you watch watch those two episodes. But which made me start thinking: Are we gonna get a Bashir or a Cisco kind of like you know uh, that they're like animated into the show or something? Or are we gonna get more importantly than that, Christopher Briner from uh, who is the businessman that uh, Dax meets in twenty twenty four? Or are we? Let's go even further than that. What about Ed Begley Jr.'s character from Future's End and Voyager, Henry Starling? Are we going to get him coming back and and playing the character on, on uh, you know... Because I think Voyager goes back to, like, 90-something. So, like, now yeah, it's been yeah. 20 years. Do we... Do yeah, we get... it, it's... it's Yeah, he would be the right age, uh, essentially, uh, uh, for for that. So I, I, I really think that they should bring at least the, the Voyager character back because it, it would... Uh, it would make sense for him to, to have aged like that amount of time. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's gotta be a wasted opportunity if they don't at least give us some callbacks. And, and like you said, we've already heard general Cisco mentioned, like they're at least going to be like in a headline that's happening in the background. I think. Yes to Bashir. Yes to Cisco. The others, if they do it right, sure. Otherwise, you know, it stands to. I was thinking it would be like, I was thinking it would be like on a TV screen, like they go into a bar and they see it playing across. I don't remember if they say what month they're in. The bell riots, I think, were like the turnover between August and September. I think. I think, I think that's right. Yeah. So I don't know what months they're in right now in 2024. They should have and since it's like, LA, it just looks like that all the time. I was so. gonna say they should have come to Minneapolis, and we could actually tell what the season. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they clearly don't have a sanctuary district in the same way in Los Angeles that's walled in because that you know. Yeah, the homeless yeah. camp there was, you know, the way it is now. Uh, was it, it bell rides were in San Francisco or, yeah, yeah, some district, some like futuristic district. Um, yeah, because it's it's the um, sanctuary districts which are meant to yeah. house people with no jobs and are homeless but are actually authoritarian hellholes. Bill, you 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 have leaned towards the mic like you have opinions I, yeah well i i think it's a great idea not to you know those are pretty deep cuts to bring back those characters from voyager and ds9 but you know they could go even deeper like for example like in the voyage home you know spock like nerve pinches that punk rock guy in the bus they could bring him back yeah. <laughs> that would be you know, amazing he's probably in his 70s now but you know uh the, yeah, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, that would about... actually be unbelievably cool. Well, let's um, let's move on from here and talk about the let's talk about the Rios part of this episode. We'll end with the Borg Queen, much like the episode did. Um, Rios, first of all, the first discussion as Emily T does off to is, did Gerardi beam Rios 10, 12, 15 feet into the air on purpose? <laughs> So mean, what? and the board queen says that she's cruel later on in the episode. So I don't yeah, know. I think it was a malfunction, but I felt bad. Like when that happened, I thought it was hilarious, and then I was like, "Oh, he's actually hurt." Yeah, there was like there was blood, and I was like, "Wait, is this gonna be like a McCoy? Uh, you know, for for losing his memory somewhere in the past, and then end, ended up being like a causality loop trigger himself kind of thing." Um, but then he, he sort of got on his feet and I was relieved when he recovered his memory. Right? Yeah, it, it looked like he had it intact. 
Yeah, and yeah. It, it it was kind of a fun callback though to like it. They're they're hitting some beats of like uh the voyage home, uh where like uh like che- Chekhov ha- wait is it Chekhov that has to go to the hospital? Someone has to go to the hospital. Uh, and, yes, it's um, Chekhov. Yeah, and and so like we're we're recreating some of those things, but not uh. It seems like we're trying not to go goofy uh in the the tone for this because I I think that would not fit well with the tone for Picard okay. so far. You know, speaking of recreation, though, I, did you all notice when they were going back in time through the slingshot around the sun, they did do a little homage to the voyage home and showing a little, they didn't yeah. do their heads I, I, rising I, I, up. I was, I, I was shouting cowards to the, yeah. uh, to the TV because they, they didn't like have styrofoam heads that were like zooming in or whatever. But they definitely were doing a little homage to it with how they did like kind of close ups at different angles of the different characters. But I do feel that um, I had, so I had a friend who was watching this and she was really upset that they just had um, Rios get, caught by ice okay. and um pardon my my four-year-old who's interjecting while i talk <laughs> anyway, oh. but um uh so she was upset about that and i said well you know that's because she just felt like it was so kind of not kind of tropish i guess okay. like of course you're gonna have the latina character get mm-hmm. arrested by ice but that's what star trek does so yeah, yeah. you know when we went back to past tense um, the two characters of color are the ones who are rounded up and put in the sanctuary district yeah. while the beautiful white human mm-hmm. presenting woman is saved by a rich man. And in uh, Voyage Home, the Russian character is the one who's caught on the nuclear vessel. Vessels. Um, Vessels. <laughs> brought in for questioning, you know. And I will also say, I don't know that... I would like want my Mexican grandmother just out and about doing whatever in Los Angeles in, in the Trump era. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's also something like, that's just a reality. And, you know, in some ways, and my grandmother died before Trump was elected, but that was something like if she, now I wouldn't really have worried about a 99 or a hundred year old woman being taken in by ice, but it is really something that, is that, I mean, that's just the reality that kind of drives yeah. home the world that that we are living in right now and the world that Star Trek is trying to shine a light on. So, yeah. And, and uh, like Avery Brooks was was often uh, like trying to push some of that in, in Deep Space Nine of like not uh, not wanting to treat like the past like it was this uh, just wonderful time where everything was fine. Uh, and uh, at least my, my understanding is uh, Avery Brooks was the one pu- pushing the the writing staff to to uh, cover that uh, yeah. in that way, and and uh, Cisco also has those opinions in the show. So there's a bit of a blurring of the uh, the the actor and the character. But um, so I, I I appreciate I appreciate it from that perspective of like we're we're treating it's a little on the nose, but it is uh, we're trying to deal with this with like the things that are happening in that time period. Yeah, 100%. And I I found, you know, my initial reaction was kind of like, oh, this is a little on the nose. But then I realized, like, no, this is exactly what Star Trek has always done. And it yeah. shined a mirror up to us. And that's what this this season seems to be doing. So uh, I, 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 I think uh, whereas we could have gone in a more creative direction, maybe that's not the intention of this season of Star Trek. They are very much just showing us uh, what what's going on. And... Uh, or what, what what we've seen happen on the news, and they're they're kind of mm-hmm. giving us a view into it. 
Um, <laughs> I just enjoyed the fact that Rios's brilliant plan didn't work and the doctor's like, you idiot. I had it under control. <laughs> um, the doctor, by the way, played by Saul Rodriguez, who has done other work in several different TV shows, including NCIS, Party of Five, Devious Maids. Um, mm. I'm excited to see her on this show. Uh, I hope she has more of a, uh, a role than Sarah Silverman's character in Future's End had. That was the kind of parallel I drew in my own head because, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, I don't know. I, I always think back to old track episodes and the, and the placeholder, like, you know, as soon as we have some rich executive show up, I'm just going to be like, that's like Begley Jr.'s character. <laughs> <laughs> well, they both had lab coats, right? They both had like, I remember Sarah Solomon in a lab coat some, at some point. So yeah. she, she's a scientist at that like observatory that's Gr- in LA, isn't it? Like Griffith. Yeah. Like yeah, the I don't Griffith know. Observatory. Yeah, um yeah. so so it's it's kind of interesting to, to compare i did enjoy the scenes in the hospital though that was really fun uh they were humorous they allowed rios to kind of show his street smarts so he's yeah. not this like you know like how like sometimes you have the star trek characters go back to the past and they're like morons <laughs> 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 and, and he wasn't he could like make do and he like his like gambit with the cookies worked <laughs> I was like, yeah, why yeah. is he genuinely like he's never had peanut butter before? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I love that comic. Like, there's, there's like maybe peanuts are did they go extinct or something? Yeah, like synthol versus real alcohol, something like that. I didn't know if he was just having replicator peanut butter cookies forever. They just but use I... PB two in the future. They don't use real peanut butter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I did feel a little like. Maybe that that's because it was written well, but I feel felt a little like oh he could just get that com badge and it just sort of always is out of out of his reach, and it was it was um a little little choreographed. I felt like it was it was just out of his reach all the time, so it, mm. it felt a little unreal to me. Um, yeah, it was a little it, transparent there. Did did we talk about the com badges and their design yet, or in, in, in any of like? We got like a closer it, look in this episode. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. it it's nice. You, you and... don't like the authoritarian combadges. <laughs> do not like it. Um... I, I take the alternate future sucks. <laughs> They're bo- are, didn't like Elnor use one of them to like cut someone's neck or something last episode? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. They're like alternate ninja stars. Like you get into trouble, you can just like throw them at the person. Yeah, I just wish... Th- I mean, I get the authoritarian part, but I just wish they were a little less clunky. Okay, I just have to tell you that Saul Rodriguez was in a show called Demente Criminal, which I don't know what that means in Spanish, but that is... I, I like the... on the, like, the very... It's like Demented Criminals in my mind. And it's just... I don't know. It's a very on-the-nose TV show name. But uh, <laughs> excited for more from her. Excited to see... Um, how Rios, we, we've seen shots of, uh, in the previews of Rios and possibly Seven fighting people on some sort of police bus. Mm. So excited to see what happens when they break out of custody. Because um, hopefully this isn't like an extended ice uh, p- plot. I, I appreciate that it's in the show, but I, I, I don't know if I, I want that as much as them doing some sciencey stuff. So um, we'll see how it goes. Um, any other takes on Rios' part before we get into the break here? 
I, I thought it was a, a, a reasonable way to get some of that humor in uh, that, like, Voyage Home had, but in a way that Picard can approach. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that the... Uh, I'm in, I'm liking the tone that they're striking so far uh, with this, like, uh, near-future-past kind of situation. Yeah, me too. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back with Gerardi Picard and the Borg Queen. Computer, dictate the file log shit I stole from the Borg Queen. 34.0488 North. No one what takes one from me, my dear. Coordinates. To find the Watcher. Oh, well done. I suppose even higher cybernetic life forms can get sloppy with where they leave secrets lying around. But there's more, isn't there? When it happens, I can, al I can almost feel it. It'll come to me. What you have just done here is more difficult and vastly more dangerous than you realize. And what is that? You've impressed me. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we've been commending how Emily has been able to work with Dietrich while recording this episode. Um, and... I want to ask, actually, Bill, for a, an opinion on the new Borg Queen, played by Annie Wershing, new actress. Uh, I was not expecting... I was actually... Some, I, I read somewhere maybe we were going to get Alice Kriege back, but we didn't. Annie Wershing, an alum of 24, Revolution, many other TV shows, uh, pretty prolific uh, actress. Yeah. It, uh, <clears throat> so... She's more coherent in this episode, right? Because the timelines aren't screwed up or whatever. And and very, like, colloquial. I don't know. I mean, she, she like, usually doesn't have the, like, robotic Borg voice. And she's just yeah. kind of, like, cracking jokes. And <laughs> um, But, yeah, I thought it, I thought it worked uh, fine. I mean, she, you know, it's really interesting to have this, you know, basically antagonist, but who they're relying on and who they need. Um, and, you know, presumably will persist for at least a few more episodes and play an important role. Do you all think she's going to be a bad Borg Queen, or do you think she's going to be a good Borg Queen? Don't like, really know, and that's the good part, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's on a knife edge. Do you mean bad as in, like, evil? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, okay, yeah. Not, not like a bad actress. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's pretty nice. It's like, just going to be... <laughs> I think, I think I think we've all had we've had good bar queens throughout. I don't think we've ever mm -hmm. had a bad bar queen. Mm -hmm. Susanna Thompson mm -hmm. was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and um, I no, I what think I appreciate. I, I kind of feel like she's leaning. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I feel like she's kind of leaning in the at least, if not evil, the manipulative kind of way. Which you know that makes sense. She's kind of somewhat of a captive. So I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, and I, uh, I mean, I, I like that she is taking the Borg Queen in such a different direction. I think it's cool to, because really, like, um, I mean, I like Susanna Thompson as as the Borg Queen, but for the most part, like, uh, as a, at least as a viewer, when I was like in, in elementary school while while Voyager was happening, I did not know it wasn't the same actress. Like, it, it, it seemed like the same. Like, yeah. uh, it would have. It was basically the same kind of performance, and this is like a fundamentally different Borg Queen. Uh, like Emily said, is more more manipulative, and I think that's interesting because it's like this is a Borg Queen that's completely isolated from the from the collective, 
and is very aware of her situation. So she's going to be as manipulative as she can, but is also like wary of like, uh, there, I, I can't go too far, uh, in a, in a way that's going to make them just kill me or, uh, other things like that. Um, so I, I, I'm really intrigued to see how, how they, uh, sort of evolve this, uh, throughout the season. I, I also got to talk about the fact that she doesn't seem to be overpoweringly pushing one angle or another. Like, I think that was the one thing that I always enjoyed with Alice Cruz's performance is that it was kind of, even, you know, when she's being sexual with Data, that's a very underplayed performance. It's very clear emotion, mm-hmm. but you're not, she's not like, you know, I don't know. She, she's, she's not from the I'm a little teapot school of acting. I don't know if I've described that in, in this podcast before, but one of my acting coaches at Beloit was always like, don't ever go to the I'm a little teapot short and stout school of acting where you're you're doing the, the motions with your hands to show people you're a teapot. You know, you have to let your, your features, your intonations, your subtle, uh, you have to be the teapot, not show people you're being a teapot. You know, and I think that Annie Wershing is 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 being the Borg Queen and not showing us she's the Borg Queen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it takes a lot to deliver acting uh, acting effect when you can't use limbs, right? We we feel yeah. like we don't realize that, but it's all her face. Yeah. And the way she ends it in the end, you've done a very dangerous thing. You've impressed me. That 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 got me. I I I, I was. Uh, I was scared. Show to the core. Yeah, yeah. That's that's easily something that could be kind of like a throwaway line, but like the uh, the right person delivering it is like, oh shit. (laughs) So so this is is the last kind of thematic element on my list for us to discuss, which is let's talk about Picard and Girardi getting into the Borg Queen's heads. Um, I think there were a lot of directions that this could have gone and it confounded my expectations at every phase and it wasn't not I, I couldn't have predicted any of this personally and I was wondering if y'all had a similar take or felt differently was that a good thing or a bad thing for you not it was I enjoyed it but I'm not going to necessarily say that it that what I would have expected would have been bad either but I, all I'm saying is that it, this we've seen similar scenes in Star Trek before and it didn't go yeah. the way that those have so we've seen scenes where, you know, I think it's the Voyager crew and 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 Seven, them trying to rescue Seven and, you know, dealing with this collective and a lot of voices. And so there have been precedents, but this is the first time in my memory we've looked at, um, you know, like a linear assimilation kind of process and... Obviously, there's like a switcheroo right at the end, right? Like where, you know, Girardi's in the Borg Queen's body and vice versa or something like that. But mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. It's not about the collective voices because in this case, there is no collective, right? There is yeah, just the Borg Queen. Yeah, this is the Borg Queen and her. And they're playing um, hide and seek uh, behind these mental doors. And I, I hadn't I hadn't experienced that before. So that was good. Well, and I, Star Trek, I feel like in every version of this scene that I've, that I recall seeing, Star Trek always goes to the perspective of the person, like, in that memory. So, or, like, it, like, we're always seeing it for, like, she would, like, uh, we would go to a scene where uh, 
Jurati is like walking through the hallways of her house and like talking about and like we would see all the metaphors playing out. So I thought it was very interesting to instead uh, just have it be that uh, we sort of we hear it happen, but we're not actually seeing any of it. Um, and so I, I that it was refreshing for me to like see it uh, just like a different take on that style of scene from how we usually do it. We did not get the uh, the real adventures of Johnny Quest animated sequence of Girardi and uh, the Bar Queen riding motorcycles through the Bar Queen's minds. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed also Alison Pill's performance, which I think Emily mentioned before um, as Girardi. I thought it was very compelling in this episode. I thought both she. Well, we've talked about Annie Vershing already, but I thought Alison Pill did a fantastic job beginning to end here. Yeah, totally. I wholeheartedly agree. And uh, I mean, there is a huge, at least a huge side plot, if not one of the main plots that are going forward in the episodes, right? You can totally see uh, this whole, they're, they're touching on it in, in multiple episodes, the loneliness, the lack of belonging, the potential there now now the Borg Queen's impressed. This is going to go somewhere. Uh, and, and again, I know I went out on a limb when I was like, hey, this is poten potentially a causality loop when that like shielded Borg Queen, right? Or the face-covered Borg Queen um, comes in. Who knows who that is? Is it the Borg Queen? Is it Girardi? Is it, you know, oh. something? is something going on there? I never considered that it might yeah. be Girardi or oh. something like that. I didn't either. Yeah, it, I mean, there's just a lot of ways that that could go um, in terms of like, is it is it some sort of causality loop, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 leading to some interesting things for me. And I was also happy that they didn't have us see like a, a like they didn't have a, a cybernetic implant pop out of Girardi's head as a jump scare <laughs> or something like that. They didn't go into one of those predictable places um so so that was good well um any other pieces of this episode we should discuss before we move on to giving our strange new ratings i i thought it was really somber... oh uh go ahead adam okay sorry yeah i i think i'm having some internet issues along with rudy here uh but basically I, I thought it was very interesting to hear Picard say that line of like, she would have taken me in seconds. Uh, like, uh, I think I'm going to leave out the, uh, I'm a little bit confused about how that works with Picard as like a robot, but uh, it's, it's a very interesting take to, to think about how it's especially dangerous having both seven and Picard in the presence of the board queen, because she could take both of them uh, immediately in a way that maybe wouldn't happen with the other characters. So I, I just thought that was like a, a cool bit of um, lore that we introduced here. Well, also, and it's, oh, yeah, go ahead, Emily. No, I was gonna say, it's also interesting to me how differently Picard and Seven are handling the presence of the Borg Queen. Like Picard doesn't yeah. seem to be feeling as threatened by it. Whereas now the way seven is being is what Picard was like in first contact. Yes. Um, so I don't know if um, some of that has to do with distance or, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it is that's driving that, but 
She needs to have her own movie they, where she they... co- overcomes this. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think Picard is being more tactical with his dealings with the Borg. I think the other interesting thing, which I think, Adam, you brought up before we started recording, is that why would Picard, the golem, who doesn't have any of his cybernetic implants, be worried about the Borg Queen taking him over in seconds? Um, that seems like a little bit of a plot hole. Because uh, <laughs> this Borg the... Queen hasn't had experience with Locutus either. The, the golem is such a good rep- re- recreation that it also has Borg implants uh, in him. They really do play it, though, as though all of the Borg queens are somehow interconnected. Okay. Because the way they do it on Voyager, um, I, even though she's a different Borg queen than the one in First Contact, there's still there still is some connection. I don't know exactly how they mm-hmm. did it, but I know there's at some point... A, way that they explain that they know about the other things, which I think is partly why seven made the comment in what, in last week's episode about how um, the Borg queen would be the one to use for the, to pinpoint the correct moment in time because she has a broader awareness of how time works or streams of time. Yeah. Which I, I I will Uh, say, uh, uh, this was a previous episode, but, uh, I was kind of surprised that when we're like, wait, who else could help us with with things uh, like not being quite right in the timeline? I thought that was like, like, oh, we're going to go see Guinan. And then we didn't see Guinan. (laughs) Yeah, Guinan (laughs) is around there somewhere, right? So one other piece, by the way, we saw in the first episode, we forgot to mention it, that there is a silhouette of Brent Spiner as Adam Soong in the... I forget exactly where, but it's on the water. So this Watcher character might be Brent Spiner soon. We don't know. Or or they might... At some point, Brent Spiner's going to come on the screen. And I, I want us all to be ready for it. Yeah, he's going to be... I also feel like we haven't seen the last of Guinan either. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Although then she'll have an even longer explanation of why she looks old back in the past. <laughs> That'll be episode eight of the season is just all about like why Guinan looks old. <laughs> <laughs> and and the reason the timeline diverged is because Whoopi Goldberg appeared in Star Trek and created a continuity error with her appearance. It's time is a flat circle, y'all. Time is a flat circle. All right. With that, let us move into our strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their necks out and give assimilation a strange new rating? Adam, go first, because your internet is blanking out and I can't trust you to to jump in at the right time. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give this one a nine. I'm honestly, I'm astounded that Picard is good now. Like, I, I don't understand, like, it's been so many episodes in a row that are just good, and I was not expecting that out of this series. So, great job, everybody. I can go next. Um, I think they have some really good subplots, um, some good writing, and, and they're not just all about, like, hard action and bloody noses, the whole s- sequence with Girardi, um, Borqueen, and Picard is very cerebral quite literally um but so, so they're, they're doing a lot of things but doing it right um and and a lot of potential I'm, I'm i just love la in general so they they have me there i'll also go ahead and give it well i'll give it an 8.5 authoritarian com badges out of 10 
Okay, I'll I'll give it a nine out of ten. I thought it was just a lot of fun. Uh, maybe maybe like a minor step down from the previous two episodes, but I really don't have much to complain about. I thought it was pretty great. <clears throat> yeah, I was trying to figure out. So, if you listen to the upcoming episode, you'll know that I really really liked the discovery episode, which is the episode I saw first, and so I didn't. It didn't, I don't know. I didn't like this one as much because I just really liked the Discovery episode, but I still thought it was a good episode. Um, I was just looking back at my previous ratings for uh, Picard because I, I think I liked this less than the previous two, but not like, you know. So I'm going to have to give it a 3.75 out of 5 <laughs> just because I feel like <laughs> if I give it a 4 out of 5, that's the same as I gave last week's. And I don't know. I just... And it could have been in the wrong headspace watching it too, so who knows? I will. I actually thought about similar things, but I'm just going to give it an eight because even though I enjoyed it a little bit less than last week, I think it still deserves an eight. Um, and again, I'm going on the uh, on a strict like as much as I enjoy it, rather than uh, I'm giving this show a Star Trek credit in in my ratings <laughs> or whatever. So um, I will. I'll I'll keep it at that. Well, all right, everybody. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Rudy, for joining me, not just to talk about this episode of Star Trek, but even the next one that our listeners haven't heard. Uh, we've had a wonderful two and a half hours together today. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending that time of your weekend with me. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Matt. Thanks, Matt. Of course. Thank you, Emily, uh, Max and Dinah, wherever y'all are, whatever y'all are doing. I hope it's a great time. Uh, thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. And thank you, dear listener, for spending a couple of hours of your week with us listening to us talk about Star Trek. And uh, special thanks this week to Ed Begley Jr. for being a great actor who I hope shows up on Star Trek again. All right. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.